So we continue exploring uh, this uh, life of Abraham to learn how faith works and how and where faith comes from and how it's given to us. And uh, we find so many verses here that are really enlightening, and we're coming to up to another one now. Let's just uh, remind ourselves of what Paul said yes, uh, the last time we talked, and that is in Romans chapter 4, where Paul says, that God declares to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations, when in fact he wasn't even a father at the time. And we learn from that that God speaks of things that do not exist as if they already did. God brings the future into the present. It's the same with you. It's the same with your faith. He says, I declare you righteous in Jesus Christ when you have no righteousness. You are trusting in him because you're a sinner. But God is in the future as well as the present, and he knows what he can produce in us finally in that glorious day when Jesus Christ comes and this mortal shall put on immortality and uh, we shall live eternally with him in the righteousness of Christ. So we're counted as righteous now, you see, which is treating us as if we were already there. And that's what you and I need to learn to believe and uh, grow in, that we're as if we were already in heaven. We are being treated as if we were already in the kingdom of God, and that's how we do it. We say in the midst of trouble and turmoil and sorrow and grief uh, that, Father, thank you, we're already there. It's as if we had already arrived, because Christ has arrived ahead of us and on our behalf. And so, I have made you father of many nations, he says, in the presence of him in whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And what is he referring to? Well, the birth of the child Isaac, do you see? Because that child was given to Abraham when he was a hundred years old, 25 years after the promise was originally made. And Sarai, who had been barren all her life, was... uh, now fertile, and she at 90 years of age gave birth to this child. What an amazing thing. And so, you see, um, it says then in verse 18, who, referring to Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed. Wow, what an amazing statement that is. Contrary to hope, what does that mean? Well, contrary to all expectations that the thing could happen. Contrary to all the evidence of our sight, all the evidence of our senses, against all hope, in other words, in hope he believed. So, you see, the hope that he's talking about is a different hope from the evidence of our senses. Our senses and our sight and the evidence around us does not give us much expectation, doesn't give us any at all. But the hope that Paul is talking about that Abraham had was the hope in God's promise. So, contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. Now, you and I go through life with many disappointments, many sorrows, many uh, frustrations of our goals. 
We have great dreams when we're in our 20s and uh, we fight for them. And yes, they sometimes are fulfilled for a period of time, but they either become meaningless or they die or they don't get fulfilled at all. And we get into middle years and we have to change what we were uh, thinking about and hoping for and change our dreams and our goals. Yet the one hope that will never diminish and never die is the hope that we are saved in Jesus Christ and that we will receive eternal life. And this means that the word hope in Christian thinking has a different meaning from it from what it does in the secular world. In the secular world, hope is sort of the wistful expect well, not the expectation even, the wish that a certain goal will be fulfilled, but we're not too sure of it. But in the Scripture, in the Christian faith, hope is a certain expectation because of the promise of God. It is God who has given this promise. This is why Paul, uh, rather Abraham, could have hope, even contrary to hope, because the hope that he had was stimulated by God. Now he comes to the place where his hope and expectation in his human potency and Sarah's fertility is absolutely shot. He gives up. At first, when he hears God's promise that he would have a child, he still thinks there's fertility in him yet uh, and, and in Sarai. There's life in the old dog yet, he thought, perhaps, at 75. But as the years went on and they tried and tried to have children, there was nothing happening. No fertility, no pregnancy. And his hopes would slowly diminish as his years grew on. So that by the age of 99, it would seem that there was no possibility that this promise of a child could be fulfilled in the natural way. And as I said yesterday, he possibly, uh, or suggested anyway, uh, we can imagine looked in one of those old bronze mirror mirrors at his wizened body and thought to himself, this is hopeless. This is hopeless. If this is going to happen, it has to be by a miracle. And as I said yesterday, it's as if God came into the room and said, I've been waiting for 24 years for you to say that, for you to understand that the child that I am giving you is a miracle child. And why would it be? Why was it necessary to be a miracle child? Because it was a type of Jesus who was to come, who was also a miracle child, who was not born of human flesh. And this miracle of God is the message that the Son of God has come from heaven to earth to be the Messiah of the world, the Savior of the world. What what an incredible promise was given to Abraham for our sakes that you and I may believe throughout the generations, or uh, all of our ancestors might believe and know. So you see, the day comes when God tells Abraham to change his name from Abram, as I mentioned yesterday, Lord, that means, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And Abraham changes his name before the event. 
He's father of a multitude. He tells his neighbours that before even he's had a child. They look askance at him and think he's going off his rocker. But you see, that's what you and I believe. That's how you and I believe as Christians. We believe in things that are utterly out of this world. We believe that Jesus Christ is going to come from heaven and take over the kingdoms of the world. We believe the second coming of Jesus Christ, in which the dead who believe have believed in God's promise throughout the ages, and the dead who have believed in Jesus Christ will be raised immortally. How incredible is this? It seems absurd. It's like a fairy tale to the secular world. And we have to be willing to be laughed at. And I suppose Abraham was laughed at too. Well, it happened anyway. The child was born. And what do you think they called that child? Well, the name of that child was called Isaac. God told him, Abraham that is, to call his name, the child's name, Isaac. You know what Isaac means? It means laughter. The people in uh, in the village laughed at this, that Sarai at 90 could have a child. They, they thought it was wonderful. The celebrations were going on all the time. And God, it seems, joined in the fun. And the truth behind the idea of Isaac meaning laughter is that when God brings his promises to us, what seemed so difficult and arduous before the promise now becomes so light and beautiful and exciting and fun that we even laugh at it. Have you had the experience of being a a legalist and struggling through your Christian life, trying to become righteous and holy before God, and you never could somehow pull it off. You were always failing. You were always getting defeated. You were getting depressed and overwhelmed by the demands of the Christian life and and, uh, the, uh, the life of righteousness. And you've gone on like that for decades, and then suddenly the real gospel comes to you the message of truth, that Christ is your righteousness, that it is a gift to you, not something attained, but something received. And your heart is suddenly light and um, joyful. You can hardly believe the boon that God has given you, and you are just somewhat inwardly laughing. Oh God, how good you could be. How merciful, how wonderful this is. Here I have been struggling for 30 years, 40 years to become a righteous man, a woman before you, dear God. And you finally said, I have given you this righteousness. And it is not in you, it is in my son. My son is a substitute for you, is a stand-in for you. And in him you are righteous, not in yourself. And this is so beautiful and light that we want to realize that the name of Isaac is really the name that he gives us too. It's laughter. Have you found laughter yet? I don't mean that silly stuff that came from Canada years ago where people started trying to just artificially laugh, the laughing religion, and I've forgotten all about it, but you might remember a few things of it. That's nonsense. 
But this is what the heart experiences somewhat when we realize how incredibly beautiful the gospel is, the good news about our God. So then, let's see that again. So God says to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, referring to Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And you might say to me, well, Colin, how do I hope when there seems to be no hope? I implore you to reread Abraham's story, beginning in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, because what you will find is that whenever Abraham was down on his luck, whenever the chips were down, God came to him and lifted him up with hope. You remember Psalm 23? Thou restorest my soul. You restore my soul. God is the constant restorer. When you are feeling empty, when you are feeling that there is no food, spiritual food on the table, you say to your, Lord, your heavenly Father, Thou preparest a table before, before me in the presence of my enemies. Father, I thank you for the richness in Christ. You say it, you give thanks, even though you don't feel it at all. But you know that God is the restorer of your hope and your faith. Thank you for joining me today, Colin Cook here, and how it happens. The ministry is in need of some help financially. If you could make a donation just one time, or if you'd like to make a monthly donation or uh, occasional donations, whatever's suitable to you, and whatever amount, please do consider helping. This is listener-supported radio. It's now in its 26th year, all because of the grace of God operating through you, the listener. So send your donation, would you, to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.